chapter four of lady jim of curzon street this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. lady jim of curzon street by fergus hume chapter four firmingham was the smallest of the duke of pentland's country seats and so cosy that he invariably held his christmas revels there in preference to dispensing yule-tide hospitality in more splendid mansions situated in a woody and elevated part of essex that county presumed to be a fog-tormented puddle the quaint georgian house was ideal in itself and in the repose and charm of its surroundings ugly it probably was when erected but time had mellowed its glaring walls of red brick and nature had draped them with hangings of dark green ivy the square lofty house with its freestone ornamentation its many windows and gigantic porch stood on a slight rise a position which enhanced its noble proportions on three sides level with the ground floor extended broad greystone terraces with shallow steps leading downward to smooth lawns these stretching for a considerable distance terminated in flower-beds now devoid of blossom and colour and lawns house and flower-gardens were girdled by pines and oaks sycamore trees and elms with noble examples of the birch the beech and cedars proud and tall a wide straight avenue ran for a quarter of a mile through grim firs to ornate iron gates swinging between massive stone pillars surmounted by the ducal arms and these same gates gave entrance to a spacious and wild park as delightful as that wood near athens where oberon tricked titania the charming country outside this sacred enclosure appealed to artists in search of the picturesque certainly the landscape was domestic and tame for here nature yielded to the controlling hand of man but the pleasant walks the deep lanes the ancient villages and the comfortable farmhouses sprinkled thickly for miles made in conjunction a pretty picture of rural peace and contentment and the contentment was genuine for no better or more considerate landlord than the duke existed he was popular in the neighbourhood and his sway almost imperial a true king of the castle jim and his wife drove from the station in quite a darby and joan style and through fear of the duke rather than in compliment to the season were prepared to enact the parts of man and wife to perfection it was rather hard for leah to say pretty things to jim in public and for jim to hover anxiously round leah as a lover-like husband but the duke expected such behaviour and they were astute enough not to disappoint him in his rough tweeds with jovial looks and hearty words jim was quite the english squire of the story-book and shook hands with some of his father's tenants who haunted the local station in quite the all men are brothers style leah also dispensed smiles and nods to marvelling villagers who stared open-mouthed at her beauty but in the comfortable brougham 
jim folded his arms and lapsed into sulky silence and leah yawned and looked out of the window for want of something better to do they were off the stage now and could take their ease very wintry looked the landscape through which they passed the meadowlands were deep in snow and gaunt leafless trees started like black spectres from the milky ground ponds and ditches wore masks of darkly green ice and the frozen road rang like iron under the hoofs of the horses a yellowish sky with the promise of almost immediate snow lowered over the starving world and for lack of foliage the landscape widened to the observing eye a dull crimson in the west showed that the sun was sinking in foggy splendour the shrill voices of children singing music-hall songs instead of carols saluted their ears quite like a christmas card isn't it jim if it wasn't for the music-hall songs assented her husband looking out of his window wonder if they'll be skatin i dare say i hope so i love skating cause you can show off we have each our little vanities jim said lady jim whom hope made good-humoured there's the church what a pretty old building and how well the snow contrasts with the red roof and the ivy we have to go there on christmas day gloomed kames we must show an example to the lower orders explained leah in her british matron tone besides lionel preaches how awful why has the duke put him in the bill mr dane the vicar is ill and asked lionel to fill the pulpit the duke has nothing to do with it wish i had grumbled jim i'd have the sermon cut out you'd have the church turned into a music-hall i dare say retorted his wife contemptuously but you must be as nice as you know how to lionel remember he promised to speak to the duke i'll keep awake during his sermon but i shan't promise to do more leah you're runnin this show quite so but i don't want you to spoil it lionel has great influence with the duke frightens the old man to death with texts and Tophet, i expect said jim crossly i know these parsons i was not aware that your circle of friends included such respectable acquaintances oh i can hold a candle to a certain person as well as you leah who do we meet at firmingham the usual dull lot said lady jim with a yawn frith and his stupid little wife who seems to model herself on david copperfield's dora then lady canvey with her new companion is sure to be present fancy having that death's head at a christmas feast who else leah that little russian dr demetrius we met him at the embassy if you remember not the russian embassy but the french he's out of favour with the czar and dare not leave england in case he should be sent to siberia he can practise for it here said jim shivering beastly cold isn't it leah what's demetrius doin here looking after the duke's health he says he can cure his gout i hope he will muttered kames devoutly for if frith comes along we shan't get a shillin i'm half afraid we shan't get one now sighed lady jim here's the avenue what a charming place i'd let it out on building leases if i had it remarked the prosaic jim and cut the timber lots of money in those trees don't look into jewellers windows jim you're not rich enough to buy the stock 
rich it was as much as i could do to scrape enough together for our tickets ah well said leah reassuringly as the wheels scrunched the frozen snow before the grey porch we needn't spend anything here except half a crown for the plate catch me wastin money in that way snapped kames swinging himself out to help his wife to alight hallo here's old collie lookin like a dean as usual and jim again assuming his hearty manner and jovial leer shook hands with the butler whom he had known since etonian days the house-party was composed of hostile elements consequently every one was compelled to adopt a forced air of christmas peace and good-will which rather tried jumpy nerves the duke dug up fossilized cousins to participate in the festive season and these did not suit with some fashionable folk who for various reasons as they put it had to be nice to the dear old duke mr jaffrey and his poetic sister fifty who quarrelled incessantly hardly suited the tastes of mrs penworthy as a daughter of the horse leech and intensely up-to-date nor did graham the little england politician enjoy the company of lord sargon a tory and a believer in the divine right of the last legal descendant of the stuarts also the various young women and men who were really nobodies and fancied themselves somebodies found the parts they were expected to take in an old-fashioned christmas rather a bore the season of peace and good-will explained the duke after dinner when this collection of smartness and do-wellness embellished the great drawing-room we must all love one another the company assented conventionally and every one smiled violently on every one to the amusement of lady canby if this was the palace of truth she announced there would be trouble but the mellowing influence of the time just so duke but some people are like certain pears they won't mellow they only become sleepy and that reminds me she added looking round for joan i'll go to bed soon not on christmas eve urged the duke bending over her chair we intend to keep yule-tide as our ancestors did snapdragon the mummers the christmas tree the carol singers and the ghost stories not one of them clever enough to tell a real ghost story snapped lady canby cynically examining faces old and young made up and natural oh i know a lovely lovely tale said miss jaffrey who was gowned girlishly in white trimmed oddly with ivy and who looked like a ruin that will last till to-morrow morning chimed in her brother seeing an opportunity of being nasty snapdragon is more fun eh letty frith you used to enjoy that once i do so now dear snapdragon said the marchioness who was sentimental and adored her tall lean husband but the christmas tree oh that is too sweet bunny and i met for the first time under a christmas tree and he fell in love with me didn't you bunny it was rather hard on lord frith that he should be addressed by this most inappropriate name he was as stiff as a spaniard sad in his looks and spoke little although eminently well-bred and clever in a political way he was not a genial personage in this he differed from his father for the duke was stout and kindly-looking beaming with good humour and quite the style of host who would have figured in sir roger de coverley's time report said that he had been much too gay in his youth and that the late duchess had put up with a great deal lady canvey could have related stories about the duke likely to be much more entertaining 
than the proposed ghost tales but she was fond of her host who like herself was a link with the remote past and never told stories out of school when she and the duke got together they wagged their old heads over dead and done with scandals and lamented these days of vulgar and blatant sin but whatever their pasts may have been they were an ideal couple in the way of venerable looks and sweet old age quite a philemon and bacchus of modern times meantime bunny scowled on his frivolous little wife and then gave her a sentimental smile he was always torn between love and propriety for lady frith imitating dora as lady jim averred said the most exasperating things in a sweet treble he used to lecture her in private and explain what she should say but these corrections always ended in tears on the part of the child-wife and in complete surrender on the part of her doting husband lady frith certainly could play her part in society excellently well on occasions and was more shrewd than would have been guessed from her baby face and infantile manners but she wanted to be original and therefore plagiarized from dickens novel this assumption of an imaginary character she called possessing a personality mrs penworthy was old wine in a new bottle that is she looked twenty-five and acted like an experienced coquette of double the age married to a modern job called freddy whose meekness was proverbial she led him about like a pet lamb and taught him a few parlour tricks so that people might say what an attached couple which they did tongue-in-cheek a sweet look from mrs penworthy warmed freddy's heart for four-and-twenty hours even though the cost of the merest glance sometimes ran into double figures in his hours of leisure which were few he frequently told her that she was an angel but the expression did not sound so agreeable on freddy's lips as on those of the half-dozen nice boys who constituted her court she went everywhere and knew every one and did the things she ought not to have done with discretion freddy thought her a playful kitten quite blind to the fact that she had grown rapidly into a cat but with smiling looks and sheathed claws and freddy's diamonds on her neck she was a very pretty cat and blinked sleepily at those who admired her so long as freddy gave her a silken cushion to rest on and plenty of cream to drink moreover she only scratched those who could not scratch back i really think it's awful fun said mrs penworthy to her court all this sort of thing you know holly and snow and-and mistletoe suggested one of the nice boys now if you talk like that algy you shan't be spoken to for a week a look is enough for me whispered the adoring algy naughty what would freddy say lady canvey's sharp ears overheard the banter were i freddy i know what i'd say she murmured grimly then aloud to spoil sport is your husband here mrs penworthy freddy oh dear me no he's gone to paris or peru or i forget exactly where but it's something beginning with a p dear freddy she laid an entirely useless fan on her lips pensively he works so very very hard and quite right too said lady canvey bluntly seeing what a devoted wife he has ah you don't know how freddy tries me dear lady canvey i am devoted that i am but you see i took freddy for better or worse 
oh no corrected the old woman tartly you took the better and freddy took the worse mrs penworthy not being ready with an answer murmured something about jealous old thing and moved away with her court to where lord sargon was holding forth on his pet craze if only our ancient kings were back he said but not too loud as the duke might have disapproved of the disloyalty christmas would be christmas in the good old times of the blessed martyr charles the bad old times contradicted mr graham it was then that our beloved country began to annex places which are useless let us give up everything beyond the channel and attend to our own country then indeed christmas will be christmas and the parish pump will pour forth beer said mr jaffrey referring to the badge of the little englander ah the conduits ran wine in those sweet old days sighed his sister in her poetic vein and people never washed said a truculent old gentleman given to sanitation what i say is let every house have a bathroom i say jim is this going to last for ever asked leah considerably bored by these intellectual fireworks a week anyhow replied jim who was feeling happy after a large dinner but if you will come to the zoo leah you mustn't find fault with the animals they are scarcely so interesting oh animals don't talk i suppose you mean you do retorted lady jim calmly there's demetrius and she left her husband in the clutches of mrs penworthy with a whispered caution don't let her go too far jim this week were the respectable middle-class pair who live in slate-roofed houses jim did not quite understand but he vaguely guessed that he was to keep mrs penworthy at a distance for some minutes he did this but she soon overcame his scruples and begged him to take her to the picture gallery the discreet court did not follow constantine demetrius was a small dark neat man with an ivory complexion black hair a waxed moustache and a stereotyped smile he was dressed perfectly in a foreign fashion and placed his small feet together when he made his bow to lady jim his english was much better than his morals and perhaps this was why lady jim beckoned him to her side demetrius was one of her most ardent admirers and she had a vague idea of making use of him at present she did not see how to utilize his services but if ever she required a thoroughly unscrupulous man she knew that she would need him besides he was really a clever doctor and when lady jim was ill she felt it would hasten the cure to think she was being attended to for nothing what do you think of all this she asked him when they were snugly bestowed in a cosy corner it is very english said the russian with a shrug that means very dull demetrius clicked his heels together and made a bow from the middle of his body at present i cannot say so said he gallantly and you wouldn't if you thought so madame the truth to a ravishing woman is like sunshine to a coal miner we get it so rarely by the way how is mademoiselle aksakoff she is well and as pretty as ever i see nothing of beauty but what is before me all the same you will leave me and marry mademoiselle aksakoff demetrius looked at lady jim with such fire in his dark eyes that she felt slightly uncomfortable in spite of her courageous nature it was easy to play with the hearts of phlegmatic englishmen but to amuse herself with this fiery slav was like trifling with a tiger 
nevertheless lady jim with a view to future contingencies allured him with sweet looks and tantalized him with half-granted favours katinka aksakoff the daughter of a russian official attached to the embassy loved demetrius even to the extent of helping him to escape the lures of the secret police which would have drawn him to the continent en route for siberia therefore she hated lady jim because that astute diplomatist kept demetrius dangling at her skirts in the bonds of a never-to-be-requited love on the chance that some day she might require him and the russian knew that leah kames was a woman who wanted all for nothing but if possible he intended to make his own bargain with her lady jim was clever but demetrius thought he could entangle her monsieur demetrius she said after a pause during which the fire died out of the russian's eyes if you wanted money i would get it said he determinedly but if you saw no way of getting it i would make the way you can't make bricks without straw clever people can replied demetrius dryly lady jim looked down at her rings are you clever she asked to benefit some people i might be he said in a low voice she stared straight before her and noted that lionel was chatting with miss tallentire as yet the curate had not spoken with the duke so that was a quarter yet to be tried nevertheless lady jim had a shrewd idea in spite of the comedy being played by herself and jim and of lionel's pleading that the duke would be adamant it behooved her to have another string to her bow and this she could find in demetrius but she did not know yet to what use she could put him it was impossible to ask him to sway the duke strong as his influence was with that gouty nobleman lady jim had a good deal of what she called pride and did not intend to let demetrius know her true position if she could help it before she could say anything and really she did not know what to say the duke gave the signal for the commencement of the christmas festivities these were strong in intention but weak in execution the company burnt their fingers over snapdragon capered in sir roger de coverley tempted the fates with roasting chestnuts and finally adjourned to a large hall where glittered a splendid christmas tree then danced in the mummers villagers all tricked out as robin hood and maid marian as a terrible turk santa claus st george and the dragon a most meek beast and with hordes of merry laughing children the christmas tree dropped its costly many-coloured fruits into expectant laps and a chorus of praise hymned the munificence of the gratified duke even lady jim thanked him for the dainty gold net purse which she received and if she did peep in slyly to see whether it was lined with a cheque or a bank-note that was only out of compliment to her father-in-law's known generosity santa claus has not got a banking account she murmured to her husband jim who was scowling at his gift a set of sleeve links enamelled with the four vices women cards drink and racing growled he's got a dashed lot of impertinence as if i'd wear these things no said leah tickled by the implied rebuke it doesn't do to wear your heart on your sleeve links a witticism which was entirely lost on jim he was one of the many obtuse swine who trampled on leah's pearls what with eating and drinking and professing seasonable sentiments which certainly did not come from the heart every one became bored and bilious and fractious leah surveyed the yawning revellers with a feeling that christmas old style was a failure you can't arrange an orgy was her comment to lady canby it must come by chance to be successful 
i don't think pentland intended anything so disreputable retorted the old dame consequently you are disappointed bored lady jim assured her i suppose it's eating plum pudding which always makes me dull but not good-natured my digestion has its limits good-night godmother i suppose it's time for you to be taken to pieces and having stricken lady canby dumb with rage she slipped away to bed wondering what would happen before next christmas something must be done she thought wearily climbing the stairs if lionel fails with the duke demetrius might might what she did not know but she really did feel that something might be done with demetrius End of chapter four